All right, so we're in week three of this series uh, called Our Heartbeat. And uh, week one over here, we looked at this idea that uh, our, our core value number one is that we all find our identity in God alone. That, that we believe God has put his thumbprint on us and he has said who we are. He's created us and we've been created in his image. Uh, some of us live into that and some of us don't. Some of us allow other things to tell us who we are or who we aren't. And so we fight against that. And so core value number one is we want all of us to live in this idea that we find our identity in God alone and that he says that we're loved and that we're children of God and we approach him as a good father. And then last week, uh, core value number two, we looked at this idea that we're about helping people take their next step in following Jesus that we believe that everyone is in this process, this spiritual journey of following Jesus, and that we're all over the place. Uh, some people here may be at the point of saying, I don't really know if there is a God. And that's okay. That's where you're at on your spiritual journey. Some of you have been doing it a really, really long time, and he's totally changed your life, and you're making a significant impact. And we just have everyone kind of in between. And that's good. And so I, I thought of just this word picture I want to show you real quick. Uh, we often see church as this, as kind of this bounded set. And so we think we, we just need to get in the building. Just get in the building, and once we're in the building, that's what, what matters. And so there's people who try and get in, and it's often difficult to get in. But, but once you're in, that, that's all that really matters. There's nothing else. Uh, but, but what we want to see it as is this open set. In the sense of uh, we, we open set or center set that this idea of we are all moving towards the cross that represents Jesus. So it doesn't matter how close you think you are to God if you're not continually moving towards him. So you may be really, really, really far away and you feel like you're really far away, but our goal is that we're all moving towards Jesus and we're all at different places and that's okay. That's one of our core values. Well, this week, core value number three is this idea that loved people... Love people. Loved people. Love people. All right, so we're going to get right into it. And, and the question we're going to look at first is, well, who are loved people? Uh, who qualifies as the loved ones? Who, who makes it in? Uh, if you don't own a Bible, there should be a Bible around you. We would love for you to, uh, to take one of these. It's our gift to you. Um, if you don't uh, want to look at a, at a real Bible, if you have a smartphone, there's some great apps. You can look at it on there. But I'd love for you to have a Bible. I'd love for you to underline, circle, write notes in. Uh, so if you don't have a Bible, we, we would love to, uh, to give you one. So we're going to look at Luke 19, 1 through 10. It'll be found on page uh, 1039 in this, this Bible. Uh, but let's look at who, first who Luke is. So uh, maybe you're not aware much of the Bible, but, but Luke is a guy who was a Greek. So he was a non-Jew. He was a Gentile. And Luke was highly educated. He was a doctor. And so as we read through Luke, he has a lot of situations where he talks about healings and sickness and diagnosis. And he gives this scientific, very ordered approach to his writings. So this is a real guy writing a real letter or book about the encounters of Jesus. And so we're going to see what Luke has to say about this, this guy. In Luke 19, 1 through 10, it says this. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. 
So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Now we've turned this story into a children's story. Uh, we do that with a lot of the, the Bible. Uh, we we want to teach our, our children, so we take these stories and we turn them into uh, children's stories. Uh, I didn't grow up in children's church. I didn't start going to a youth group. And so when my daughter started going to, uh, to children's church, she learned a song for this story. I don't know if you know it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee... If you don't know it, I wouldn't have known it either, so that's okay. But here's, here's the thing. That's the most I've ever sang in public, those three lines. And the most I, I ever will. Uh, but what we've done is we've, we've turned this story into a, a kid's story, yeah. right? He was a wee little man, and he climbs up the tree, and Jesus calls him down, and I must stay at your house today, right? Yeah. Do you know who Zacchaeus really was? Right, we, we see this, this word, this, this description of, uh, of Zacchaeus being a, a, a tax collector, but I don't think we really understand who Zacchaeus was. We, we see him as a tax collector, but, but during this time, Romans ruled the world. It was this empire that stretched from England to India. We covered Colossians. We talked a lot about this, but it covered England to India. And here's how they often ruled it, by fear. They made people afraid. And so they would go into towns and villages, and they would take the women, and they would rape them. And they would take the men and the children, and they would crucify them. So I don't know if you know this, but when Jesus is crucified, this isn't the first time for that. That was just a way of executing people. And so they would take these people, and we talked about these Roman roads that stretched the Roman Empire. And coming out of these villages, they would crucify people along the road. So as you came in and out of towns, you saw what the Roman rule had done. And it was supposed to keep you afraid where you would never rise up against them. So people lived in fear. Well, they needed money to be able to do this. And so what they did was they taxed people. We're aware of that. We know what it's like to be taxed. And so they would tax people. And let's say they taxed 15%. Well, they had to get that tax somehow. And so they employed people to get that money, the tax collectors. And almost always it was one of their own people, someone from their own town, their own village. But they had to make a, money, make a, make a living doing it as well. And so what they would do is, they would say, look, the Romans are wanting to tax 15%. We're going to tax 20 And they would pocket the 5%. So they were a traitor. They were a traitor. Not only were they a traitor, but they were funding what the Roman Empire was doing. They were helping it happen. And these people were despised. They were hated. No, no one wanted to be with them or be seen with them or to talk to them. This is who Zacchaeus is. But he's not just a tax collector, is he? There's another word in there, that he's a chief tax collector. So you know what that means? He even stole from the other tax collectors. 
right? So not only did the normal people not like Zacchaeus, but even the tax collectors don't like Zacchaeus. Nobody likes Zacchaeus. So he climbs this tree, and at this point, Zacchaeus probably could care less what everyone thinks, right? Yeah. And he's hated. So he climbs the tree, but I, but I really wonder if he really does care what people I wonder how lonely Zacchaeus is. I wonder if Zacchaeus hates that he's hated. I wonder if Zacchaeus got into the business and started doing it, and now he feels like there's no way out. So we may feel like Zacchaeus doesn't really care how people see him or what they think about him, but but I'm going to guess that Zacchaeus really does care. And he's heard about this guy named Jesus. And he says, I just want to see him. I don't care about touching him. I don't care about Jesus talking to me. I just want to see this Jesus. So he climbs the tree. Verse 5, it says this. When Jesus reached the spot, he looks up and says to him, Okay, so Zacchaeus is like, look, I just want to see Jesus, but what's happened? He's seen. Jesus sees him, and he turns his attention to him, and he talks to him. Now, what does Jesus say? I wonder what Zacchaeus thought he was going to say to him. That Jesus was probably going to get on to him and be like, you're an idiot. What are you doing making a life like this? Why are you stealing from your own people? Why are you supporting what the Roman Empire is doing? But he doesn't. He doesn't at, at all. He says to Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Don't wait. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus, I see you. I'm paying attention to you. I've called you down. And now I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I wonder if Zacchaeus wonders, Jesus, do you, do you know who I am? Do you know what I do? Do you know how hated I am? I wonder if Zacchaeus is struggling with this and thinks, does he, does he really know what he's getting himself into? And what happens? What happens? Jesus calls him down. Zacchaeus comes down and they go off together. And it says this in verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter. Everyone, all the people, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus is going to be with Zacchaeus and all the people, everyone is ticked about it. Right? I mean, think for yourself. Think, uh, think of that person for you. Who is it? Us as Cardinals fans, it's Cubs right now, right? They beat us two <laughs> games in a row. If Jesus was to come, and we're like, all right, we're Cardinals fans, he's got to love us, and then he goes and hangs out with the Cubs fans, who wouldn't like that? There was a guy in the late 2000s, last name was Madoff, and he was arrested for the largest fraud in U.S. history. Largest ever. He was taking people's money and saying, I'm investing it, and you have the chance of becoming wealthy. He gets found out and gets arrested, and they say anywhere between 10 and 50 billion dollars was taken from people. It's taken from people. This guy, this is Zacchaeus. This is who Jesus comes and says, I want to hang out with you. Are you kidding me? Let's be honest. 
That'd be difficult. Would it not be? It would be hard to see Jesus come and we think we're good enough and so he's going to be with me, but then he just kind of walks along with me and, and pays attention to the chief tax collector. But did you know this was a complaint of Jesus all the time? People were always talking about Jesus. People were always talking about who he was touching and who was touching him. They were always talking about who he was spending time with. In Matthew eleven nineteen, 19, it's an, another um, man's encounter and experience with what Jesus says this, Matthew eleven nineteen. 19. It says, the son of man came eating and drinking. This is Jesus giving an account to this to people who were upset with him. It says, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard. Do you know that? People called Jesus a glutton and a drunkard. Now, he wasn't. He wasn't a glutton or a drunkard. Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You know how you get a reputation? Who you spend time with. You get a reputation based on who you like, who you love and who you're with. Jesus' reputation was that he was a button and a drunkard. Why? Because he was always being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. People didn't like it. You know who really didn't like it? Not the tax collectors and the sinners. The people who didn't like it were the religious people. The people who said, no, 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 that's not how we do things. They're bad. We're good. You're supposed to be with us if you claim to be the son of God. Why are you being with those people? It's interesting here that there's two categories, isn't it? It's not just that he was the friend of sinners. He's the friend of tax collectors and sinners. It's like you have sinners and then you have tax collectors. This is Zacchaeus. This is who Zacchaeus is, that he was a tax collector. And let's look at this word friend here. We, we've looked at these words for, uh, for love in the Greek. And you have this word agape. So John 3.16, maybe you've seen it at a game. Someone's holding a sign and, and maybe you've never really known what it is. But it says, so, so uh, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This so loved is agape, this unconditional love. That, that's one, one word. Then you have eros, which is this intimate sexual term for love between a husband and a wife, this eros. And then you have storge, which is a brotherly love. It's, it's parents to children, children to parents, siblings. That, that's this word. And then you have this word phileo or philos. Now this is the word that I like you. So brotherly love, yeah, I gotta love you. You're my brother. This word is I choose to like you. I wanna be with you. That's this word. This friend is this philos that I like you. So he likes the tax collectors and the sinners. Likes to be with them. He likes to spend time with those people. Jesus flips everything. He's always flipping everything. And he spends time with the people who you would have never thought he would spend time with. All right, back to verse uh, 8. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord. All right, remember what happened. He's called him down. Everyone questions what's happening. 
He's spending time with him. And this is Zacchaeus' response. He stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. What happens? Zacchaeus, maybe for the first time in a long time, feels loved. And he begins to question who he is and what he's done. And his response is a change of heart. Uh, Kennedy, my eight-year-old, comes early with me on Sunday mornings. And we've gotten in this practice where she asks me what I'm going to talk about every day. Um, if, you, um, if you don't understand, it's really hard to, to try and tell an eight-year-old what I'm going to preach in about 40 minutes. And so it's been my goal. My drive's about seven minutes. And so my goal is if I can't teach my daughter in five or seven minutes what I'm going to try and teach you, I'm probably not doing a very good job. And so I, I, I begin to discuss with Kennedy, and she knows Zacchaeus. We sing the song together. And I said, do you know who Zacchaeus is? Yeah, he was a tax collector. Do you know what that means? And I explained it to her. And I said, well, what happens? And she says this. Well, he, he gives back. And I said, well, why? And she said this. She said, well, Jesus told him that he was doing something he shouldn't be doing. And I said, does he? Well, I, I think. Well, what, what does Jesus say? I, I, don't, I don't know. What Jesus doesn't do is lecture Zacchaeus, does he? He doesn't point out how bad he is. He doesn't, all Jesus says is, I want to be with you. It is the love of Jesus that completely changes Zacchaeus. Amen. Nothing else. Amen. It is Jesus wanting to be with Zacchaeus where Zacchaeus says, I'm done. My life will look different. Not a lecture, not condemnation, not judgment. Nothing. The love of Jesus. It was simply by Jesus seeing him, speaking to him, and loving him. This is verse 9. Jesus said to him, today, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Just a little side point. Um, nowhere here does just Jesus sit Zacchaeus down and say, all right, before we can go any farther... Um, here's what you have to say. Right? N nowhere does, does Jesus say, all right, we've got to find a place and we've got to kneel, repeat after me. Nowhere. You know what happens? There's this change of Zacchaeus' heart in the moment. And everything looks different for Zacchaeus. Some of you have experienced the, the other. You felt like you had to say something and then you wondered, did it take? So you come down again and you say it or you... It's true, right, that we're always wondering, did it take? And what, the question is, have you experienced the love of God that sees you and loves you, no matter who you are? The tax collector in all of us. Jesus sees us. He knows us. And then verse 10, it says this. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. That Jesus came, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So Jesus comes looking for those people. He comes seeking those people, those people, us, to save. This word save is this sozo, and it literally means to rescue, to, to grab someone who's going over the cliff and pulling them back. That This is what Jesus came to do, to seek and to save. That the danger and destruction that we're all being saved from ultimately is ourselves. 
the, the idea that, that I'm a good person or that I can save myself, that I'll work myself up to the love of God. We're saved from our own pride, our, our selfishness. That, that's what the Son of Man has come to do, is to seek us, to save us. Was Zacchaeus doing something he shouldn't and it wasn't good? Yeah. But Jesus comes and he loves him. Jesus uh, loves him and Zacchaeus has been loved and therefore he loves in response. Look, I'm going to make it up. I'm going to make it up. Half of what I have, I'm I'm giving to the poor. I'm going to love them with an act. I'm not just going to say that I love them, but I'm going to let my actions be seen that I love them. Love alone changes Zacchaeus, the worst of sinners. This is Jesus. I, I don't know, if you closed your eyes and you had a picture of Jesus, I wonder if this would be the picture. If you've seen paintings of Jesus, often you see this kind of light-haired, blonde, Swedish-looking man walking down, right? Walking down the, the beach, and he's got this white flowing robe, and he kind of waves, and he tells people what to do and what not to do. That is often the picture of Jesus that we have, not this one. And the question for you and me who follow Jesus is, what have we done to Jesus? What have we done? What have, what have we done? We, we've, we've often missed. All right, all right, Jesus loves people, but, but, our, our core value, first and foremost, is loved people. That, that's everyone has the opportunity to be loved by God. Uh, many of us who follow Jesus thinks it's our responsibility to make sure and point out what other people are doing wrong or what they should or shouldn't be doing. And to be honest, I think most people are into Jesus. Even if they're not at church, even if they're not followers of Jesus, most people aren't against Jesus. I talk to enough people, they're not against Jesus. What are they against? They're against the church and Christians. Yeah, that, that's great. I, I think I may even believe in Jesus, but it's just really, really hard to believe because of how the church has treated people who are far from Jesus. So I believe that followers of Jesus should be the most loving, non-judgmental movement in the world. That we should be defined by our love, right? That people should say, I don't know if I agree in what you believe, uh, I, I'm doubting, I'm skeptic, but you know what, man? You love people. That that should be what defines us, but it's not. And so when people experience that, they're almost shocked or surprised. Uh, I, I know a guy who uh, would consider himself an atheist, doesn't believe at all. And uh, we, we have conversations, and I think he's kind of searching spiritually, and he, he went on a trip recently with a, a group of Christians, and he came back from this trip, and I was asking him, all right, so how'd it go? Uh, how'd it go with those Christians? And he's like, you know what? It was good. He said, I didn't feel like they were judging me. He said, they actually seemed to like being around me. And he was shocked. He was shocked because that's not, it's not typical. That's maybe not normal. Uh, I did a wedding. I love to do weddings. It's one of my favorite things I get to do as a pastor and so uh, not too long ago, I had uh, a couple ask if I would do their wedding. 
And here's the, a little bit of the backstory that the groom's dad is Jewish. The mom is, is Catholic, doesn't go to mass or anything. The bride's parents are, are, are Catholic and they both would consider themselves irreligious and they live together. And they said, we're having trouble finding someone who will do our wedding. Would you do our, our wedding? Now, it probably would have maybe been easier and maybe some people would say, no, you know what, I, I can't. And, but I didn't, I said, yes. Yeah, I'd love to, but here's the requirement. You have to do counseling with me. So let's meet four weeks. Let's look at what it's going to look like to be married. How do you be a husband and a wife? And, and so we, we do it. Four weeks, four sessions of counseling, and I, I do a wedding last night. We're sitting in this room getting ready to walk out on the stage. One of the groomsmen says, so Kyle, how do you know this guy? And I was like, well, interesting story. And the guy jumps in and says, I first met him at a Starbucks, and when I told him I wasn't religious and we told him our story, he didn't bat an eye and act surprised. Right? And so he was like, so we, we felt like this was the guy to do our wedding. Now, now my, uh, my heart is that I really love these people. I believe in marriage. I believe it's for life. And so it's an opportunity to love these people. Not, not as a project, but to love them. And it's shocking to people at times when Christians love people. We believe that loved people love people. I mean, hopefully it was love at some point that changed you. Hopefully it was love. Hopefully it wasn't someone making you come to church. And you're like, well, I'm in the building. I'm in the circle. So yeah, I'll take the title of follower of Jesus. That that some of you, uh, maybe because you're afraid of what would happen if you die. So it's out of fear. It's out of fear that you would say that you follow Jesus. Or maybe you would say you follow Jesus just because you don't do bad things and your morality is what makes you a follower of Jesus. If that's the case, you've missed it. Because we're all Zacchaeus, we're all the tax collector, and we want to be seen by the one who loves. That's what ultimately changes us, and this is the heart of God. Uh, Romans 2.4, there there won't be anything on the screen, just listen. It says... um, or do you show contempt? So this guy, Paul, is writing this letter, and he, he's, he's writing it to a group of Christians in Rome in the center of the Roman Empire. And he says this, Or do you show contempt, do you think lightly, for the riches of his kindness, God's kindness, his tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? It is God's kindness that makes us change the way we think about things. Repentance, to repent means to change your mind. It is God's kindness that does that in our life. It is his love that does that for us. But it's hard. It's hard for us because we're we're kind of built and brought up with this idea that things are too good to be true. I don't know if you ever said that, you ever had an opportunity, it's just too good to be true. It's too good to be true. My father-in-law, if you listen to sports radio, on ESPN 101.1, they do this thing called the golden ticket. And you win a golden ticket, and you get to go to this event, you go to an event, and they draw a golden ticket, and whoever gets drawn gets season passes to the Blues, poor Blues, um, the Rams, the Cardinals, SLU, basketball, and Mizzou. Season tickets to all of them. It's the golden ticket. 
And so my father-in-law, he calls in and he gets a golden ticket and he's got a chance. And so him and I go down and we're excited. It's a party atmosphere and there's a ton of people there and there's chances while you're there to win a golden ticket. And so everyone's excited. And they finally get to the point where they're going to call the winner of the golden ticket. And so they reach in and they pull it and they read the name. One person cheers. You know what everyone else does? Nothing. Nothing. They don't really even care. Why? Because it was too good to be true. Like you just know that you're not going to win. And so you're not even disappointed. You're not disappointed when you don't win because it's too good to be true. I think this is how some of us feel about God. Like we read it, we see that this is how Jesus treats these people, but we're like, I think it's too good to be true. Could that, could that really be for me? Like me and my, everything that I am that goes against what God wants for me. Everything that you are that is against what God wants for you. And he sees you, and he speaks to you, he loves you. Not only does he li- love you, but he likes you. He likes you. So, uh, many of us have experienced this. We see this idea of, of being loved, but, but there's a second part, isn't there? That loved people love people. So we have to first understand that we are a lot like Zacchaeus, and that, that Jesus sees us and he loves us, but Zacchaeus responds, doesn't he? Yeah. And so should we. So should we. 1 John 4, 1 John 4, 7 through 12, first of all, it says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Listen to this. Not that we loved God. Not that we loved God, but he loved us. Right? You, didn't, you didn't love God, and then in response, God loves you. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. This sacrifice that would atone for our mistakes. It would cover. It would heal. It would forgive. An atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Then if you skip to verse 19, it says this, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is written by a guy named John who called himself the beloved. He called himself the beloved because he really believed he was loved by God. He walked with Jesus, knew Jesus. This is what he writes. Look, if we've been loved, we love. He makes that bold statement in verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother. 
Now, this could go several ways. I looked at this word brother, and some people might say, all right, that just means other followers of Jesus. So I, as long as I love other followers of Jesus, but, but even if that is it, we don't always do a good job with that either. And so that, that but that's probably not it. This word brother means anyone, companion, neighbor. God so loved us, we love in return. And this is all people, the tax collectors, the worst of the worst, the one that you think of when you think, I don't know if God would love them, that person, the, the sinners, everyone else. Those people are the ones that we should love and that will be known by our love. That means, listen to me, that means this place is a place for all people. Amen. I mean, maybe that's what we change our name to, All People's Church. Amen. Right? Because that's, that's what we're going to be about. We are going to be defined by our love. So whoever it is that you have trouble loving, those that you think need to get cleaned up, they need to change their thoughts and their lifestyle, what they believe, the, those people who you think need to do something first, we're not going to be that kind of place. We, we are going to love people, all people. We want people to know the love of God. We want people's lives to change, not because of being judgmental or condemning. We want people to experience the love of God, and that's what changes lives and that alone listen jesus says at one point listen to this these are jesus's words why do you call me lord lord and not do what i say what why do you call me your teacher why do you give me authority why do you call me lord lord and not do what i tell you to do Jesus' instruction is to give people love. I think you know my heart, and so uh, press in here and, and listen to what I'm, what I'm going to say. If this is not okay with you, if this isn't okay, that we're going to be a church that loves people, all people, this may not be the place for you. And I say that completely out of love, and I know there's a lot of great churches in the area, but I also know there's a lot of churches that won't do that. And they'll make people be a certain way and a certain lifestyle before people are welcomed. As the leader of the church, we're not going to do that. So, so we are going to be a people that love people. And so no, not ashamed. Yeah, yeah. Not ashamed. Now listen, that's easy to say, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's easy to say until those people sit next to you. It's easy to say until those people sit next to you. But we're all in. And so if you know someone who's spiritual seeking, they think the church is about condemnation and being judgmental, let them know that you think you might have found a place that would let them be as they are and that will love. I, I, I'm honest, this is an all-people's church. Yeah. 
We want to be as diverse as we can in every area, and we're all in. It's all in or nothing. I was in college, and we had this little lake where I went to, to the university and, uh, in the Kansas City area. And, and students would often go to this, this lake, and there was a cliff that everyone would jump off of. And I'm terrified of heights, and so I would go, and I would watch, and I would watch kind of from the ground. And, and you know, when you, when you look from the ground, it doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> and so then um, a little bit of peer pressure, and I find myself looking over the edge of the cliff, yeah. and it seems a lot higher yeah. <laughs> when you're looking over the edge of the cliff, and it's scary. Yeah. It's scary. And so I remember you do that little game, like you psych yourself out, and everyone's pressuring you, and you don't want to be that guy that doesn't jump, and so you kind of push your fears aside, and I remember I kind of run, but then I get to the edge, and the mistake I made was not going all in. Oh, yeah. And so I honestly get to the edge, and I kind of just fall over the edge of the, the cliff. Now, here's, here's what happens. The, the cliff is over the water, but the water is not very deep by the shore, right? And so I remember because I wasn't all in, because I limped in, I fell in, I hit the bottom of this little lake as it, as it goes. And I will never forget that feeling, ever. This, I feel, is one of those moments. We are all in. We're either all in or we're not. We're either going to do what Jesus has said or we're not. So we're going to understand that we are like Zacchaeus. Then in all of us, we're like the tax collector. And some of us think we can't be loved by God. Let me say this to you today. You can be loved by God. Not only loved by God, but liked by God. And our response to this love is to then love people. No strings attached. No projects, no judgment, no condemnation, love. I'm in. I'm in. I hope you're in. Pray with me, please. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this challenge you have placed in my heart to not read the gospel anymore and know who Jesus is and do a different kind of Jesus. I want to be about what you're about, God, and you are about loving people. And so would you help us? For many of us, this is uncomfortable. For many of us, it sounds good, but we think there's those people that we're not sure we can love. Would you help us? Would you help us? Would you change our hearts by your love so that we're able to love other people? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Next week, uh, Next week, we'll continue um, this series, so we hope you will join us. It's the idea that we're called not to be spiritual consumers, but spiritual contributors. Love you guys. Have a good week.